we're back with the Supercoach Champions. You've got Catfish here. This is the round 11 late mail edition. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks and that's on me. Uh, on holidays plus sick. But here I am. Uh, look, let's jump straight into it. We're first up, round 11's Wacko's Whispers. There's a lot going on as always. So let's check that out here. And then uh, we will obviously look at your Twitter questions for the week. So Wacko's Whispers. <laughs> You've got mail, baby, yeah! So, tonight's game, Eels vs Tigers. We've got, for the Eels, uh, Mike Acevo and Nathan Brown, both in some serious doubt. Uh, they've been given up until an hour before kickoff to prove their fitness, but at this point in time, Wacko expects both to be ruled out, which will see Neil Corey starting at lock, and it's George, George Jennings coming on the left wing this time, and David Gow onto the bench. Now, I believe Sevo did make it through the captain's run, but uh, it all just depends how he pulls up, and so yeah, certainly make plans in case he doesn't play, but obviously because it's his first game, easy enough to sub him back in if he's okay, and Moses, Madison, Ferguson, all good and will be confirmed starters for this week. For the Tigers, they've got, they had a late swap with McKaylee failing um, to overcome a knee injury, so Clark's coming to the bench. There are some whispers about Sean Bloor though, uh, which may see him coming onto the bench instead to de- make his NRL debut. Uh, Lucy Lelua, Benji Marshall, Harry Grant, Matt Eisenhood, all good to go after taking part in the captain's run. And uh, yeah, that's it for that game. For the Cowboys and the Seagulls, now this is their first game for the Cowboys under their new coach, Josh Hannay. Following Paul Green's resignation, now Jordan McLean was an outside chance to return, but He's, uh, can, he's been ruled out now. So that should mean uh, the Cowboys will be 117 with Shane Wright also overcoming uh, a burner to his shoulder last week for the Seagulls. Now, they have a few question marks here. that Moses Suli is in doubt after he suffered a bruised sternum last week during the game. He did go off, but um, basically HIA has forced him back onto the field. So he bravely played out the game, but he didn't look good at all, obviously. So if Suli's ruled out, Tavita Funa comes in, and according to Wacko, he is a natural right center, so that could be a good sign for him. Now, the other question mark here, though, is Ruben Garrick. He failed to finish last week's game due to a concussion and also a knock to the shoulder, so he has to uh, pass uh, his fitness test and take part in the captain's run um, to to play. So if Sully's fit, then Tavita Funa will take his spot, uh, Garrick's spot, on the wing. If Sully's out... Then, like as mentioned before, Funa plays right center, and Abbas Miski, Josh Mansour's uh, doppelganger, will come onto the wing in that space. Uh, and obviously, Fanil Blake, he has uh, complied with all the relevant protocols set out by the NRL and also Queensland Health, so he will be able to travel and play this time around. And otherwise, Tanya Seeker and Lachlan Croker both passed their HIAs on game day, so they should be right to play. For the next game Broncos and the Storm so the Broncos there are some question marks over Anthony Milford and also Katoni Staggs they trained in the week um, expected to play but they both need like they pass the fitness test at the captain's run but it all depend depends on how they pull up so in order to be confirmed starters so I mean not that you're wanting to play or buy any of these guys anyway but <laughs> yeah uh, Herbie Farmworth will be on the left wing um, after missing last week's game due to a leg injury Ben Teo didn't train early in the week, but is expected to play. 
and Tyson Gamble will make his club debut from the branch after he um, debuted for the Tigers in 2018. And I believe he's expected to um, spend some time spelling Corey Pax at hooker um, when he's on the field. For the Storm, they uh, might be welcoming back Vinavalu, who's uh, been out with a hamstring injury. He will need to pass a fitness test at the Cubs' run. Now, if he does pass fit, he will replace Paul Momorowski on the wing. Um, but there's a chance Momorowski ends up going to the bench with Marion Seve dropping out. And then, yeah, Momorowski will be the 14 utility back that Bellamy seems to like enjoying having on his bench lately. Abbott Vete uh, copped a knock to his shoulder last game, but he came back on, played, and he seems to be okay. And Pappenhausen and Olam, they both had an early shower last week, but no issues expected to play. Now for the Warriors and the Roosters, the Warriors are expected to be 1-17, although Todd Payton did give his team a bit of a serve in the media. Uh, so that would be interesting. Jack Hetherington expected to play after he passed his HIA on game day last week. Um, Pat Herbert did fail, hence that's why they have Adam Pompey um, to start at right centre. Now Herbert's still in the extended bench, on the extended bench rather, so that could change, but um, it's expected that Pompey will play. With the Roosters, they're expecting to be 1-17. to Now this does see Orbison on that right edge to replace uh, Angus Crichton, who's out with injury. Uh, Brett Morris should be right to go after being cleared of a jaw injury. Uh, while Nat Butcher, he missed last week due to a knock to his ribs um, during training, which I think if you recall the previous game, he definitely copped a really rough shot to his ribs. So he must have been quite sore. Uh, that gives me some concern. I mean, if he cops another bad knock during the game, that could see him sit out in the rest of the game as well. But yeah, look, I do have some concerns about um, Orbison, like I mentioned before. Uh, but yeah, you'll have to see how that goes uh, in the final team list if you can before you trade him in. That would be my recommendation. For the middle game on the Saturday, Sharks and the Dragons, you've got the Sharks being 1-17. to Now, Blake Braley does have some work, had some work done on his face under his left eye, but uh, did train, should play. Now, Talakai is expected to start on the right edge with Nakora suspended and the the expectation is that the new debutant Teague Wilton will also see game time on the right edge so don't expect Talakai to get 80 minutes now uh, it's also expected Mulatalo left wing Sienna Katoa still on the right right wing as we would love to see with the Dragons again 1-17 uh, with Jacob Host fit to return after missing a few weeks with hamstring injury now Cam McInnes did Cop a solid knock last weekend when the ball was kicked into his head, but should be fine to play. No concerns there. Uh, with the Saturday night game, got the Raiders and the Rabbitohs. For the Raiders, they do have John Bateman on the extended bench. He did train with the squad, but he will need to pass a final fitness test to play. Um, this test is expected to happen on Friday. Uh, but yeah, even if fit, he's just going to come to the bench. But the expectation is that Kai O'Donnell. Uh, would be the one who makes way. Now, it, Kai has been starting at lock, but he only plays 20-30 minutes and then comes off and doesn't go back on. So Tarpane and Sutton have both been getting bigger minutes, even though they've been starting on the bench. So if Bateman comes back, uh, it would be either Tarpane or Sutton starting at lock, and O'Donnell would be the one who drops out of the team. For the Rabbitohs, they do have Tavita Totola in some doubt. He injured his shoulder last game. 
Uh, it's expected to be checked at the captain's run, which is going to be on Friday. But if uh, it all goes well, he should be playing. Otherwise, it uh, should be 1-17. to Jack Johns will make his NRL debut. And Campbell Graham will come back after missing last week's loss to the Knights due to a facial injury suffered uh, during the game to the Tigers. So, yeah, obviously with Bailey Sirena starting on the edge, there's a question mark here about his minutes because Jack Johns is more of an edge-back rower. So, yeah, be interesting to see how that works. Then for the Sunday games, the Knights and the Bulldogs. Well, the Knights expect to be 1-17. to SASA does have a bit of a knee injury, but is expected to overcome that to play. Now, Pasami Solo passed the HIA on game day, and he'll be on the bench. He should be fine. He trained during the week. Now, Sione Mitaria did train during the week as with the, as well with the squad, and he's expected to return, um, again, on the bench. So, with the Bulldogs, they do have some severe doubt in relation to Kieran Foran due to a toe injury. If Foran is ruled out, then Brandon Wakeham will partner Lachlan Lewis in the halves. And Kerrit Holland, uh, he's moved um, to make way for Remus Smith to return at right centre. This means then Dean Britt or Chris Smith will come onto the bench, one of those guys. So I guess Holland then will probably drop out of the team altogether. Last game, the Titans and the Panthers. We've got Fogarty, who failed to finish game last week due to a knee injury, but he did train... This week, he's been in non-contact best, but he's expected to play. Proctor and Copley both return from injuries. Now, Proctor's going to be on the right edge. Copley outside him at right centre. Keegan Hipgrave is expected to play after he did have an issue with his shoulder last week. So, otherwise, 1-17. to uh, Jai Arrow is carrying a minor ankle injury, though, but is expected to play. No issues there. The Panthers, they will be missing Dean Fare. Dylan Edwards and Appy Corusau after they all got injured during the Cowboys last week. So Caleb, Caleb Aikens comes in at fullback, Mitch Kenny at hooker. And there is a potential change though. Rookie Dane Laurie coming onto the wing to replace Malachi Wateni Zelezniak. So that's an interesting one as I as I have mentioned um, in the, the early episode this week. Uh, that Dane Laurie listed center wing front row forward because of the mistake. They put him in as a front row forward because of the old Dane Laurie uh, being a, you know, a clear prop, whereas this uh, this guy is very much an outside back only. So, yeah, interesting one. If you got that dual positioning there, you might get lucky if he could score a couple of tries, similar to what Charlie Staines did when he came to the squad last week. So, yeah, bit of fun to end this week, but... That is Wackers Whispers for round 11, and we'll jump straight into the questions now. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. All right, plenty to sift through, and as always, make sure you plan your team, uh, account for potential late withdrawals, and where possible, plan your trades so that you can wait for final team lists before you make your final trade decisions, but I know it's not always possible, but you can do your best. Anyway, look straight into your questions for this week. So off Twitter, first question comes in from Zach at Chef Guards. Uh, he's asking, Ikevalu, Bemos, or Stephen Crichton in this weekend? So this is a tough one, uh, just because depends really what you're after. I mean, I think genuinely Bemos could be a keeper, the way he's playing this year. 
Uh, I know he costs an arm and a leg, but at 6% ownership, he was a great pod option for that reason. I think we've seen how many low ownership guys can say they play for the best team supercoach-wise and possibly the best team NRL-wise as well in the competition and has the ceiling that BMOS has, has the potential to play fullback whenever Teddy's out. Uh, there's so much to like about BMOS at the Roosters this year. So he could be a genuine keeper for the season. Ikuvalu is always going to be short-term rental, so he's had his first big price rise last week, uh, when, I mean, after his 172, so he's still got a really good bre- negative break-even this week, but once you keep in mind that'll be one more big price rise, but unless he goes 170 again, uh, his break-even after that's going to be quite high, so it depends if you want, if you're okay, you flush with cash, you're going to grab Ikuvalu, play him for another one or two, maybe even three weeks. Just keep in mind that there's every chance that when you sell him, because Tupo's back or whatever, he's he might be cheaper than what he is now because that 172 drops out of his price bracket. So I don't mind it. Uh, just Even if you want to do a one-week rental, uh, take advantage of the negative break-even and the matchup and then flick him on to, I don't know, like a, a NOFO or something like that next week for a downgrade. Uh, that sounds pretty crazy, but you could do that potentially. Uh, so that depends if what you if you, what you're interested in there. Same sim, similar deal for Stephen Crichton. Obviously, it's the second week in his three week rolling average with his 100, 110 or whatever score from uh, well technically two rounds ago now. So having said that, he could potentially be a, a season long keeper as well. I don't think he's going to be as reliable in terms of base and things like that, just because he doesn't have a great baseline. Um, but he's certainly, you know, he's getting those tracking stats with a lot of regularity. The Panthers draw is so good. And, you know, the, the way the Panthers are playing, like, I can't blame you for wanting to get a piece of that. So I don't mind it at all. It just really honestly depends what you want to go for. But personally, I think if you can afford BMOS this week, I think he's a great pod and really could... Uh, be be a great option for your final seventeen. Ikevalu is definitely the one or one week rental potentially. Stephen Crichton kind of in the middle. Uh, he could be a long term play as well. So yeah, I think maybe Crichton's in the middle. Bmos is the keeper. Ikevalu is the short term guy. If that makes sense. All right. Next question comes from Stephen at Stephen underscore Risto. He's asking, what's more important this week? Fix up my center wing. He has to play either. Oh, sorry. He has to play either Hammer or Tommy Talau or get Smith in for Appy, Grant's my other hooker. Look, I think it's 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 hard, obviously, because you've got to make decisions based on your team structure. Uh, I would imagine if you've got Appy, obviously he's out, so Smith would come in into your 17 as one of your four reserves, given Grant's your other hooker. So to me, the question is, are you playing Talau or Hammer versus whatever center wing you would upgrade one of them too, to avoid having to play Hammer or Talau? Or are you playing Smith over whoever your fourth reserve would be? So I don't know who that is. If it's someone like, I don't know, if you might have had to play a Jaden Sua or a Lucy Lelua even as your fourth set, uh, fourth reserve, then I would lean to Smith because I think Smith could go 100, 120, 130, or at the very least, he's still going to drop a 75, 80 score or whatever quite comfortably, I reckon. 
So Lucy could be a 45-50 score. I don't think he's going 135 this week against the Eels. Uh, whereas, you know, Hammer, Talal, I mean, yeah, sure, Hammer could drop an 11. Talal probably a 25-30 score in base, but they just need to jag one try and they're matching whatever you can get. So I'd lean towards just locking in Smith. He's a gun. He's going to be a top 17 player for the rest of the uh, season. Even if you get a center wing, there's no guarantee that, you know, people who grabbed certain options last week, Hammer smashed out a 70 off the one, off the back of one big play. So that's the thing with center wing. They're nowhere near as reliable. So I'd lean Smith for that reason. Uh, next question comes in from Osman at Osman Numbers. My current center wing, Nofo, Yo, and Mansoor. Who's the next best at any price outside of BMOS? <laughs> That's a tough question. Honestly, the way the center wings are this year, you could get a lot of mileage just by locking in those three guys there and then just rotating your fourth based on matchups. Uh, if you want someone that you feel like you might be able to keep for the season and you want to play every week, knowing that there's going to be highs and lows, uh, look, Sienna Katoa from the Sharks, he's seemingly locked into that right wing position. We know how well that spot's been going. Uh, look, 8% ownership or whatever, so it's pretty decent. Um, obviously, I'm not sure what that is up the top. But, yeah, look, he's, uh, you know, 504000 so much more affordable. And look at that Sharks draw. That's all I'll say. Uh, Lomax is just getting it done. I mean, he's averaged... 79 for the past five rounds basically and I think since moving to right center in round three after the COVID-19 break uh, I don't think he's I think his his average since round three to round 10 is about 66 or thereabouts so I think he's a genuine top four top five option at this point in time if you want someone else safe uh, especially if you've got some question marks about Mansoor so you know and then obviously there's Kurt Mann who who's just gone so so consistently all season but honestly like i think you know mansell's going to get his work it's potentially going to be quite you know reliable in the sense that you know he's going to get his base he'll get the occasional attacking stat maybe if he gets lucky um, outside of crutton or maybe gets the cutout from cacao or whatever but yeah i, I honestly don't mind just cycling through matchups i mean for example you might take a punt on one of the storm outside backs this week or you might you know grab a cavallo for a week or two or, or you know what i mean like that that could be the way you play that four spot uh obviously that depends how well the setup you are in the rest of your team but yeah honestly center wing has been a bit of a mess this year so yeah i think get it get three or four steady guys and then rotate your fourth center wing playing the matchups and hopefully you jag that 100 plus to 150 plus score every now and then that just seems to randomly pop up you know like your Dan Gagai's and the Charlie Staines of the world basically uh, next question from Cooper McKenzie at Cooper MCK Sankson said on his pod last night to not touch BMOS that he won't keep up his scores is there anything to indicate that especially with this upcoming draw that's quite an interesting question and look I can understand where Sankster's coming from he you know, like many of us, looks at the numbers, looks at the history, and yeah, the fact is that historically, this has never happened for BMOS, right? And even if you look at last year, when he was playing for the Roosters, he uh, was on the wing for a number of games last year, and I mean, just had a quick look, so 8 games, average 52.6, with a high score of 109, 
but uh, low base, you know, 27 in there, 22. And, you know, he scored a number of tries too, so it's not like he was absolutely useless. It's just we are next level this year right now. So, yeah, sorry, going back to that, he scored, what, a hat-trick? And then, so six tries and, you know, multiple line breaks and all of that. So it's certainly not like he wasn't getting attacking stats within those scores. But then you compare that to 2020 Brett Morris and looking at, you know, basically from even round three, like, so scored to 26, but then you look at his scores. So, I mean, I won't include the game where he played fullback where he scored 114, but then, then he's got the 144 where, obviously, he scored the one try and had two try assists and four line breaks. Then he's got his 72 and then 103, which does feature a hat-trick as well. So it's not like he was, you know, he's, it's not like his work rate's off the charts or anything like that. But the fact is, is he's getting a lot of points in attacking stats. And you look at this draw for the next couple of weeks, like it's pretty good. Uh, and... The one thing we can say is that the Brewers are attacking at an unprecedented level. Like, you've got Teddy in career-best supercoach form, at least, anyway. Just setting up tries left, right, and centre. He's not scoring tries himself, which means he's setting them up for his wingers. I mean, you know, how many did he set up for Ikevalu, Brett Morris? It, it's, just, it's just constantly happening, and the way Brett Morris himself is playing, I just think it's so good. So... Yeah, look, I wouldn't stay away from BMOS necessarily just for the sake of being worried that because he's never done it before. Like, because I mean, Teddy's never done it before this year, so I think for that reason, I I'm comfortable going for him. I think in fact, Bear is actually going to get him as one of his uh, trades this week, and I think it's a great pod at that ownership level and with his ceiling and that draw, because not everyone's going to be able to afford him. You know, people are scratching up money to actually buy Teddy himself or to buy it, they, they might lean Ikevalu instead, or they're going to get Nofo or whatever. So, you know, Brett, Brett Morris busts out 100 or even another 140 score and you're laughing. That's going to rocket you up this, those rankings. So absolutely, I don't mind that at all. And the last question um, from Dan at Barker Storm Tiger. What's the ideal 17 at the moment? Or even run through a top few in each position for some food for thought to aim for a gun 17? Look, I probably would not suggest... Um, looking at this this way just yet the the reason is is because you know two weeks ago you would have said grant harry grant and appy perfectly fine to run home with for the hooker position and in the space of two weeks appy's hurt now and you've got cook and smith just going big guns so and grant's already losing his minutes as well so i just think you've got to stay flexible there are probably some players where you can lock in like i mean safe to say teddy right you can't not have him for the rest of the season it would be really bold to sell him late, later in the year and like say Nathan Cleary I think at halfback just stand out he's well ahead of every other halfback option then you know you look at 5-8 you got guys like Munster even Sean Johnson those seem like those two standouts at that position and I mean you look at the back row I mean we've talked about the big four who now probably is just a big three and that's Jason Tamalolo you got Ryan Madison and Angus Crichton when he's healthy. And maybe Cam McInnes is still okay. But, you know, there's those three standouts, I think, there. And then front row, I mean, Payne Haas, obviously. Lock that in. And the, the other spot, you can play around with the pods. So I genuinely feel you can 
you know, your second front row forward always pot up there. I think maybe your third, sorry, your fourth back row position could be a pod. Like you take the risk on the types of like, you know, Cam Murray's, your Nathan Browns, your Viliami Kikau's, even your Jazz Tavangas, those types of guys where they have a bit of upside there as well. And I, I mean, I would make sure to have Cleary, but having a, a backup halfback who you play in matchups, I think it's a decent idea as well. So whether that's you grab Moses, whether that's DCE later in the season, Ben Hunt while he's playing 80 minutes at hooker, there's a couple of ways you can go down that path as well. Um, at 5'8", obviously, like I said, Munster, Sean Johnson, Clough, Flanagan, all these guys are really, I mean, I, I don't any mixture of that could probably be a legitimate 5'8 spot because it is a tough position this year. There's no true standout, I think. Even Munster, I mean, as good as he goes, we know what Munster is. He has these games where he just, just disappears. And he'll still give you a 40 or 50 or whatever, and then every now and then he drops 120, 130. So come end of season, he's averaging 70 plus or whatever. And that's great for that position, but on a weekly basis, you know, you might feel like you can roll out a Sean Johnson instead one week or whatever. So, uh, yeah, 5-8 is a tough position, I feel. But those couple of names, Munster, Sean Johnson, and Flanagan, I think, are the most one, the most interesting names for me, I think, in that spot. Then your center wings, this is really tough. Obviously, Isaiah Yo is a really safe option, but he only played 50 minutes last week. And you take out that line break and the tackle bus. Like, it was a really junky line break. He did nothing for it. Um, it's just a bit of bad defense, and he busts through, and he probably scored about 14 or 16 points in that one play. So you take that out of his score, and he's, you know, much lower. He's at that 50 to 55 mark, and it's safe. You, you probably want to keep him there, but it's not it's not early season Isaiah Yo, that's for sure. And then you've got your Nofalumas, you've got your... Brent Morris's, I mean, Zach Lomax, Kurt Mann, these guys are just so consistent, putting up genuine top four, top five center wing numbers. So having said that, their ownership's so high, and I just think there's so much potential to pot up at center wing. And I just, I feel like it's kind of, you know, do you really want to lock yourself away and restrict yourself to having a top, you know, top set, set top five options or whatever there? And then fullback, like I said, Teddy, and then whether you go Ponga, whether you go Gutho, Pappenhausen, Turbo later when he comes back, hopefully. There's a lot of options, a lot of ways you can play it. Uh, but look, hopefully that helps answer somewhat. I don't think I could commit to a top 17, honestly. Uh, but yeah, I feel ho- hopefully that gives you a bit of guidance. If it's not, then maybe we can have another chat about it, and I'll get Bear's thoughts on that as well. But uh, yeah, look, I think I am really struggling this week to make my decisions on trades. I'm just at a point where I don't know what I want to do. It was a bit simpler before when I, you know, before Appy was injured. I was happy to just keep him, but now he's injured. I kind of feel like it would be a waste not to just trade him out straight away. And, you know, while the price tags on Smith and Cook are good, and because they're obviously going up next week, because they both have low break-evens this week, so... That's my dilemma. I've got to look at that, and I can't. I don't have enough cash to straight swap from Appy to either Smith, and definitely not Cook in one go. So for me, I'm trading out Angus as well, most likely. And the problem for me here is just not knowing. It's the order of games this week that's my my dilemma. 
uh, of thinking about you know whether I want to get like if I commit to jazz tavanga that's not that's all right I don't I mind I don't mind that but looking at whether I you know think about say an Orbison type there's a potential he gets swapped to the bench and let's say Trent Robinson decides to start Butcher on the edge or to start Tupanua on the edge which he's done both times in the past while Orbison's been hanging around on the bench so to me I don't like I'd much prefer to see Orbo named starting right edge and then trade him in if I'm going to take that punt but honestly I, I'm much more of the opinion I'm just going to give him give him the swerve it is Mitch Orbison we one of the, the rules right of, of playing super coach is to to skip Orbo always but it is one it is 2020 it's the crazy season it's if there's ever a year to break that rule that this year might be it but yeah like I said I much prefer to be able to um, do that trade later so if for me if to get Smith I have to basically uh, make that trade earlier so this might force me in a situation where I have to pivot to getting Damien Cook instead so I can wait for the Roosters game and I if I see Orbo as the starting back row I might go Angus to Orbo frees up a bucket load of cash and then I can go uh, Appy to Cook and that's that's easy easy enough so my preference is to get Cam Smith though which means if I want to do that after because Storm paid before the, the Roosters I've got to take the ro- I've got to roll the dice beforehand but lo- looking at my team I mean I've only got <clears throat> before trades I've only got 17 fit players basically because and that includes uh, Avarillo and Milford outside my um, starting lineup so for me I if I trade I can set myself up so that I only have 17 players or 18 players so I always know what my AE is going to be basically and I'm still like I said on the previous episode trying to work out how I do that and balance that with my vice captaincy and like there's some appeal to being able to just vice captain Teddy this week for example and then say Captain Cleary is a backup because if Teddy just somehow because it's pouring rain or whatever and he ends up scoring only 60 yeah, not the end of the world but obviously not ideal and not, not really what you want a captain like that would be a huge advantage for me to then be able to you know whack the captaincy on Cleary who might go 120 and that's a huge that's 60 points easily just on that decision there that would see me catch up points. So, yeah, decisions, decisions. I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be cagey. I honestly don't know what which way I'm going to go with this. What I do know is I don't have to make a trade today, so I'll probably have a think and plan uh, my, my my decision after that. But, yeah, look, uh, good luck with your choices, obviously. And um, if you have any questions, you can always hit us up on Twitter if I haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, but otherwise, yeah. All the best and we'll catch you again next week.